Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? It's just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first-team contracts. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today is Tim Foss. Do you want to say hi, Tim? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're, I wouldn't still call this an emergency podcast, but we are firing up the old podcast machine to talk about a big move, the biggest move of the offseason so far, uh, for the Sounders anyway. Uh, they've signed a bear from New York City FC that was a trade. They gave up uh, 200 in general allocation money in 23, another 200 in 24. And then potentially as much as another 150, which I don't know. I assume that would come out at 24. Uh, but that's, you know, you put it all to, depending on how you parse it, it's somewhere between 400 and 550. Roughly the amount of money the Sounders have acquired this offseason. Uh, they've gotten 100,000 in allocation from St. Louis or no, for, yeah, from St. Louis for an international roster spot. They got another 175 or no, 100 from, St. Louis for Sam and Denneran. And then they got uh 175 from uh who was it? Uh was it St. Louis again? Who they trade there? It their... might have been St. Louis. So the all three of their offseason trades have been with St. Louis, is that right? St. Louis or Charlotte. I don't remember exactly, although I well, suppose that's a thing I could look up. Yeah, I guess we could, but uh one three take it all together, three hundred and seventy five thousand. Uh, so call it a wash uh, in allocation money. The the downside, I suppose, with a bear is that he he's due. You know, he made over nine hundred thousand in in uh, guaranteed compensation last season. He's also thirty one, and he does have a ACL injury in his past. Although he played last year basically injury free, uh, and he was really quite productive. He didn't. He wasn't a starter anymore for New York City FC, but he scored eleven goals in all competitions. That included two goals in the playoffs. He had eight regular season goals. Uh, And he did all that in like less than 1,400 minutes. You know, if you put up his goals per 90 last season uh, and you sort of measure it against other players in MLS uh, who had played at least like 500 minutes, he's something like he's like 10th in the league in goals per 90. I mean, that's a pretty good rate. And you look at the players that are ahead of him are all like, you know, they're unacquirable for one reason or another. They're either designated players or either high or highly valued uh, U22s. Uh, a lot of value there, I would think. Yeah. I mean, his, I was looking at with a cutoff of like a thousand minutes and um, combined MLS and regular season and playoff minutes and his goals per it was American soccer analysis. So the toggle is gold for 96. 
Um, Hayes was like 0.67 compared to Raul's is 0.66 or something for that right. same time period. And they had pretty comparable minutes played. So, you know, if you look at, again, Raul only played about, you know, not even half of the available minutes in 2022. He Hopefully, will be healthier in 2023. But even if it's as a precaution, you bring someone in who can adequately carry the load without a significant drop. Maybe you can keep him healthier. A bear has an ACL injury in his past. The Sounders have dealt with important attacking players with ACL injuries in their past before. Maybe by balancing those two guys' minutes and throwing some to Freddie Montero occasionally, they can keep both of them healthy and playing at their best pretty consistently. And I think, you know, I I haven't, like, watched Eber extensively in his time in MLS, but if you look at his highlights, like the situations he pops up in scoring goals are pretty similar to the ones that you see Raul popping up and scoring in. So I, I imagine there's a stylistic bit that when you in the past have gone from Raul to Will Bruin or Freddie, those guys just play differently to Raul. And I think if you swap Raul for a bear, guys don't have to change how they're approaching the game as much. They get it into those. Basically, if they get it into the area, there's a decent chance that one of those guys is going to be there, whichever one's in. Yeah. I mean, I, everything I've read, everything I've seen of a bear seems like he is a, you know, the kind of player that you want to be able to spell role. Rui Diaz. He also provide, you know, he also came off the bench quite a bit last year as his, you know, uh, goals per 90 sort of indicate uh, he, I think he came off the bench in something like um, two thirds of his appearances last year. And he was, you know, he wasn't necessarily great. He scored three goals off in, in substitute roles. But I think what it, what it does is it gives the Sounders probably their best, like, bench scoring option that they've had in a long time. Like, I was trying to think about who they've had that, you know, I guess Will Bruin for a while was coming off the bench and, and doing pretty well uh, in that way. But even then, a lot of his time, he was hurt uh, after the Sounders got Rui Diaz. So it's 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 a tough one. Uh, it's I'm trying to think of who they've had that had anything like his uh, his resume that they were really planning to use as a reserve player. And and I'm sure they've had you know they've probably had guys, especially like I guess in 2014 they had Kenny Cooper, they had Chad Barrett, uh, guys like that. But, I mean, Bear seems to be at least, you know, probably a, a, a step above those guys in terms of what he's done. Yeah, I think it's probably not totally, I mean, I guess those guys or when they first brought Bruin in being, you know, yeah. a seasoned MLS player who has a, a demonstrated ability to score in the league they're not coming in to be the first choice player but they're probably going to get significant minutes um it does feel like just the 
the shifting of MLS roster construction that you can have a guy who makes about a million dollars who is not a locked-in starter is going to be relied on to contribute consistent minutes and good performances when he's on the field. It's a a positive sign, I think, for the, the Sounders, even if it leaves them where you've got three strikers on the roster and a bear at 31 is the youngest of them. Players play longer now. Uh, you know, I mean, we just finished watching a men's world cup where a number of the best players on the field in any given game were 30 plus. So the, you know, the common understanding of when a player starts to decline is not as, accurate as it once was so i don't know that we need to assume that that's a problem for the sounders right now at least yeah so that was part of you know i was a little surprised i when i first heard rumors that the sounders were going after a beer i thought oh wow this is probably a little better than i had imagined i i had always sort of taken this idea that they were looking at a world cup caliber player Somewhat with a grain of salt, like, yes, they were looking at them. But I think even on this podcast, we were pretty open about, look, if there's a guy playing on the World Cup who's in his early 20s, there's a pretty good chance that he's not going to be in a price range that you can get him at and still be Tam. And I think the best I can tell, the Sounders did their due diligence to make sure that was the case. Uh, And they ultimately decided those players aren't available for the price that they can afford to pay. And so that really turned their focus to MLS. And, you know, looking around the league, I don't know who you would look and say, like, oh, this is a clearly better option that might have been available. I mean, the guys that, you know, Ola Kamara is a free agent. Giassi Zardes just signed as a free agent. Uh, it's maybe a guy like a Maxi Rudy maybe is available. But all those players have similar, uh, they have similar, like, kind of broad profiles but they either made more money than than uh, a bear did there and across the board they were all less productive than a bear was and so i'm not sure who like what better options and so when i saw that a bear though they were probably getting a bear i was like oh this is great this is this you know this is a pretty good fallback option as those things go and i i've been a little surprised how many people are kind of down on this move uh, not necessarily because they don't think he's a good player but they just see the age and i guess people had really convinced themselves that the Sounders were going to go out and get a 25-year-old stud uh, to be the back to the heir apparent to the role where he is. And, and I agree, like, that would have been ideal. But that, I don't know, like, I, I guess there's some frustration that they didn't already get younger. But this was not really, this was like a shoot for the stars and and settle for the moon kind of situation, you know? Yeah, I think... Part of the more I've thought about it, the more I, because I don't have any particular insight to what the process actually looked like of, you know, scouting guys who maybe were going to play in the round of 16 at the World Cup to signing Ebert. But part of me feels like this is not totally different from them signing Albert Rusnak, where you know, maybe you were looking at other options, but once this one became available or became a real option, you have to sort of pursue that until you either sign them or 
determine that it's going to take too much to acquire them and then you go on to another option. But even the idea that they were going to bring in some, you know, star player in, you know, the prime of his career to be a backup is kind of a foolish assumption. Like that (laughs) player is not going to come to MLS to be a backup. If you are signing a player in their prime at 25, they're either going to be a lower expected production player, or you're going to have to put out a lot more than just TAM money to get them here. I think what this probably means is one, the, you know, we heard Garth on a number of occasions before he left say that this roster is really something that they still feel good about, despite how the season ended last year. Injuries played a huge part in that. The lack of production from the bench or depth strikers was a problem. Well, the team is seemingly getting healthy again. You know, you can look on Instagram and see Joao Paulo posting workout videos and stuff. He seems to be pretty close. All indications are that he and Obed Vargas are both going to be at least ready to participate when preseason starts, maybe not necessarily ready to be starting when the Club World Cup comes up, but, you know, they're getting there. Signing Eber solves some of the quality issue behind Rui Diaz. Like I said, gives you the possibility to rest him some without a huge drop. It also means that you can keep looking for that young striker who's going to be the heir to Rui Diaz's spot, but maybe you can get somebody who's a little bit younger. You get some time where you can scout more, see how they're playing with their club team, and not if they are somebody who was at the World Cup or in the like on the bubble of going to the World Cup. They're not getting their price inflated by having been involved at the World Cup as much as they were um, I think all in all, it's a good, a good move for this season and the future, I think. Yeah. And I think what it does is it indicates to me that the Sounders really do believe that this is a, a window of that. They're still sort of in this championship window that they have at least one more season where, you know, they may as well go for it. You know, if it's like, if you aren't committing to buying out Nico Ladero and trying to trade uh, or move on from a whole host of other guys right now, and you're going to keep those if you're if those guys are going to be around anyway you may as well make the most of it right the worst thing the sounders could do is sort of like try to split the difference where they don't really uh trigger a rebuilding process but they don't make give themselves the best chance possible to win right away and and that would be you know and and just like somehow saving that money for a uh you know like a unicorn situation like they talked about doing last year uh a different you know a little different of a situation but still they like it wouldn't be a, totally out of character if they had just sort of saved their money and, and tried to do something in the summer with no guarantee that it was going to be a better option than than what Bear was presenting. And I don't know if they set out originally thinking that this is a guy they could get or if it kind of came up. I don't know the, the backstory there. But this feels like a pretty close to, you know, uh, ideal situation for them. And then once these contracts start running out, where next year a lot of contracts are coming up. Uh, Nico, as of right now, is going to be out of contract. 
Uh, and you, you have a whole host of other players that are due to either be extended. They either have options due or they have, they're out of contract. And then, you know, maybe next year you, you feel differently and you want to, you want to start the rebuilding process. But I think this year it made a lot of sense to sort of go for it. Um, one, I will add one other rumor that we've heard that will be, have an interesting impact on this because it potentially gives the Sounders some more money to play with if it comes to fruition. Uh, there's a rumor out there that the Sounders are talking to, and I've I've confirmed that this is a that these are real discussions. I don't know how close a move is to being made, but they're real discussions. Uh, that Pumas and apparently I I think it's is Puebla. It Puebla. I guess is the other team uh, that are interested in in potentially bringing in Danny Leva. Uh, my understanding is that the more likely scenario is that they might the Sounders would probably extend him, and then they would send him out on loan to one of those clubs with the option to buy uh, the price tag they're putting on him is apparently $2 million, which would be a really nice haul. I think it sh- sort of shows a proof of concept. If the Sounders can, can do this and say like, Hey, this is the kind of player that we're producing. Uh, you know, that's not altering the organization type of money, but it, it does start the ball rolling on an aspect of this process that I think is really important to them, which is that they want to start selling players uh, into the international market. I think an interesting, you know, not necessarily financial or sale aspect of that move is, you know, Leva has been involved uh, like inconsistently with U.S. youth national team setups. He's potentially able to do this one of these moves because he's acquired his Mexican passport. It'd be interesting if a move to a Liga MX side got him looks from El Tree. Uh, if, you know, the Sounders Academy suddenly also has, you know, developed the, you know, this loan or sale and a player who starts getting looks from another CONCACAF national team. Um, I think that looks good for them. It's a good opportunity for Danny. I, if they do make a sale or transfer rather than a loan, you know, you pretty much recoup whatever you had to lay out, say, bring in Ebert and get him under the salary cap. And maybe you have room to, if, you know, they had somebody that they liked who could be that future striker, maybe bring him in in the summer. He only hits the cap at half the amount. Lots of potential options there. Yeah, it, it does provide a lot of options. And it's, I don't know, it's an exciting time, I think, right now for the, the Sounders developmental system. You know, I, I think there was some disappointment a a, a little bit within the organization over sort of having to let a a player like uh, Alfonso Campa Chavez go. And that were, they kind of got themselves into a little bit of a no-win situation there where they weren't bringing him into the first team. He was on a D like not necessarily a huge number from a salary cap perspective, but all those dollars are, are, are money that are coming out of like the homegrown uh, roster pool or, budget pool that they're not able to spend on other players so he's he is taking up some resources in that sense um 
and he was coming off a reasonably productive season, but it just didn't seem like there was really any path forward for him on the first team. And that, you know, maybe that was a coaching problem. Maybe that was, you know, whatever the problem was, but it just didn't seem to make sense to bring him back. And I think what they are sort of, hopefully they've learned is that they, they want to avoid those types of situations where they risk losing guys for effectively nothing. Uh, even when they sort of believe that they have a future, like, I don't think anyone or not, I shouldn't say anyone. I think a lot of people within the Sounders organization will not be surprised if, if Alfonso ends up going on and having a decent MLS career, he's probably not going to be, you know, the player that it looked like he might be when he was starring at the U 17s, but you know, he could be a, he could be a useful player for, for Austin FC. Uh, and I think, you know, another player like that is maybe a Marlon Vargas who was basically had shown all he could show at the defiance and it maybe just needs to move on and find a, another opportunity at a USL championship team. And, and then maybe someone else will give him a chance. Um, but I think what the Sounders need to do is they, they have to, they sort of, I guess my point is they have to work both sides of this ledger. Like it can't just be that the Academy is funneling players into the first team. They've done a pretty good job, I think of, of showing that aspect of it, but what they have to do is find an, an, a reliable off ramp for those players so that they can get something out of them before they sort of like run out of real estate. It's tough because I think part of that is a, a systemic issue. And I don't necessarily mean from like a developmental pipeline situation. It's, you know, Marlon Vargas for 2022, he sort of dropped back a line where he was playing more in like the double pivot rather than as a 10 or a winger. Ocampo Chavez was a striker who sometimes played on the wing, but really anywhere in that front four striker attacking band of three with the Sounders, unless you are a generational talent, a homegrown player is going to have a really hard time breaking into the roster because the amount of money that the team invests in those positions means that for an AOC or a Marlon Vargas or Juan Alvarez, Etienne Bayard, any of these guys coming up, Yeah, you have to beat out a DP, or if not a DP, then a club legend like Freddie Montero, or in the past, an MLS veteran, Will Bruin, or now a bear, Tam, and U22 guys. Like, you have to not only you know, work hard and do your best for the team. You have to outperform and produce to earn and keep a spot on the field with the Seattle Sounders. It's, you know, we've brought it up a lot in the past when we've talked about how, you know, the old Philadelphia Union or FC Dallas or Real Salt Lake have gotten all of these homegrowns onto the field and then sold them, but it's generally come with a lack of, actual on-field success and trophies until the union started mixing that with just seemingly hitting every single international signing they brought in. Typically, young attackers in particular have gotten on the field for MLS teams because they played for bad MLS teams. Yeah, The Sounders are a good MLS team and they 
spend a lot of money on, on attacking talent because that's, you know, to a certain extent, what you have to do. And it's also a market inefficiency. If defenses are not that good, you can right. do even better with really good attackers. And that's worked so far. Maybe one of the academy kids coming through or, you know, Chris Aquino, somebody is going to blow it up at MLS Next Pro and make the jump to MLS and be successful there. And they're going to earn their spot and the DP money and TAM money can be spent elsewhere on the field, but they have to earn their spot there first. And, you know, maybe as we come on guys contracts ending or getting older and not being able to do it, maybe that becomes a little bit easier for them right now, but some of that is just not within anyone's control. It's time and, you know, sliding doors, but it's, it is tough when you then are losing guys on a free to other MLS teams, but sometimes that's just, just what it is. And you have to find the balance between letting guys go when it's time and capitalizing when the opportunity right. comes. And I should, I should uh, correct myself. I said Christian Soto earlier and who I meant was Chris, uh, Chris Aquino, uh, which you just uh, a player you highlighted who I guess the Sanders are really high on. Uh, he's signed with the defiance. Uh, you know, a couple of people have told me that they think he's the kind of goal. He's, he's maybe the player who breaks through because uh, he's the kind of goal scorer that the organization has not produced in the past and someone who they feel apparently is, is very talented in front of goal. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch his development. I don't think he's going to be a first team player this year. He, he's still only 16, I think. Uh, so he's still got, a, he's got a little bit of growing to do still, but um, you know, it's an, it's interesting time for sure. And I guess this all just sort of brings back to the idea that, you know, this is a, a team that still feels really good about where they are talent wise. Uh, it looks like they're going to, you know, and I think it is a pretty big advantage to be able to open camp with something like a full roster. Like they're not going to be waiting. Like they might make some changes uh, during the, like still like the transfer window hasn't even really officially opened, but they're going to make some, uh, you know, there, there might be another player or two that comes in or a player that might leave, but you, you have to think that this is pretty close to the group that they expect to play significant minutes in uh in morocco for the club world cup and and certainly for the mls regular season and so that that just gives them a level of stability that hopefully uh serves them well uh we haven't seen this you know this is a team that has uh historically not uh been in this position uh that they've oftentimes waited until mid-season to make a big change uh and in the years where they they uh you know, it, it's worked out to differing degrees, I suppose, uh, in that sense. But uh, the other, the, the only other real move they made, I guess, uh, this offseason was they signed Jacob Castro, who was not a player that I think was really on any of our radars as a potential first team homegrown signing. But I guess they're they're really high on him as a as sort of like a high upside goalkeeping prospect. Uh, they now have four goalkeepers on their first team roster, though. I don't know if we should expect that to hold, uh, but they, they really like Stefan Cleveland as a backup and they, they seem to really like Andrew, both Andrew Thomas and Jacob Castro as sort of like prospect type of players. Um, 
Were you were you as surprised as I was when when Castro was was signed? Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised. I I mean I haven't paid as much attention to founders connected players in the college game the last couple of years, but I was aware that you know Castro had started his college career at UW um, playing back up to fellow Sounders Academy goalkeeper, Sam Fowler. Uh, he transferred to San Diego state because he wanted more playing opportunities, won his starting spot. Um, SDSU is not like a big time college program necessarily. I don't think, I don't know that they made the NCAA tournament while Castro was playing there. Um, meanwhile, UW has seemingly continued to climb into the upper ranks of collegiate men's soccer. Um, they had an outrageous season this year. Sam Fowler seemed like a standout. If I was going to guess based on what little I knew, it would have been that if they were going to bring a goalkeeper in, it would have been Sam Fowler, but that is clearly not the case. Sam Fowler went, I think, went undrafted, entered the draft, um, and Jacob Castro is with the Sounders now. Uh, you know, maybe part of that is carrying four goalkeepers on the first team roster is an insurance policy against the fact that uh, Andrew Thomas did he also break his back? He had a back. Yeah, he had a, he had a back. Some, yeah. Yeah, he had some, some serious sort of... back injury. So, you know, maybe he doesn't fully come back. But also, if you've got four goalkeepers on the first team, you can, you know, they've got five in the organization signed to professional deals right now with Wallace Lapsley, Lapsley also at Tacoma. So, you know, one guy's not totally healthy. You've got a for sure backup and then either a starter or a backup with Tacoma, and you can move guys around as you need to. Um, not a bad, not a bad option. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it gives them options for sure. Um, but it, it doesn't look like the other, the other move that we were kind of thinking might come to fruition this off season was new who, who did, I think everything we could have really hoped for at the world cup. He started every game. Uh, he never, like he was very good defensively. Uh, he didn't really do much going forward, but I guess that was sort of as so, expected. As expected, um, but it doesn't look like there's like we we've seen like hints of rumors, but no real rumors. Uh, and right now, it looks like we should probably expect him to be back. Right? He's the only left back on the roster. Um, that is, you know, if you're looking for positions where the Sounders might sign somebody or multiple somebodies Kellen Rowe is sort of the only nominal backup at left back and right back um Sota Kitahara played some right back in the past with Tacoma Defiance and on his loan to Austria so maybe he's an option there as well um but maybe look for a, a young left back to be brought in so that Kellen Rowe doesn't have to be the backup option at like four positions, uh, maybe another like right winger. Um, but 
Yeah. Otherwise, probably probably not a ton of movement. Maybe Reed Baker Whiting does go on loan in Germany with SC Freiburg, but even that can't happen until after he turns 18 at the end of right. March. So yeah. he maybe yeah. he stays training with Freiburg until then, but yeah. That doesn't seem particular. Well, I guess it's I guess they're really high on them. The Sounders would probably be willing to do that. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, my suspicion, I guess I, I should, you know, famous last words, but my suspicion is this is the last big move before, uh, you know, before the season, maybe, unless someone leaves. Uh, and I don't know, the, the roster to me seems like it's in decent shape. Like, I'm not freaking out. Uh, yes, I'm with you. I wouldn't mind seeing another left back. Uh, but it's hard for me to imagine the Sounders signing someone at this point who's going to beat out knew who a guy who started three games at the world cup uh and yeah. faced against you know who and and like held his own against some of the best attacking talent in the world uh and you know that might have that may be inherent have some problems inherent to it but um i don't know if, if that's your worst if your worst situation is a is a is a lockdown left back that might be okay that might be okay but um, all right. Well, I think that's that's probably a good a good point to call this. Uh, Tim, thanks for for taking some time today. I'm Jeremiah Shan. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>